0: This program is brought to you by Stanford on iTunes U at Stanford University. Please visit us at itunes.stanford.edu. I'd like to welcome you all here today, um, and thank you for coming. I'm Catherine Jolik, I'm the Acting Director of the Forum on Contemporary Europe. And I'm very pleased to welcome you here today to our event, which is co-sponsored by the History Department, the Stanford Law School, and the Center for Russian, European, and Eurasian Studies. Uh, we stand today really at another crossroads in the very uh, protracted and tumultuous process of the disintegration of Yugoslavia. Um, since 1999, of course, Kosovo has been under the administration of the United Nations, um, but with its status left unclear, it's it, it, it has been recognized as a really uh, invi- in uh, viable, unviable situation for a long time now. Um, Negotiations have happened several times, the latest round ending uh, at the end of November. And in, um, on December 10th, the, uh, the so-called Troika, the mediators from the UN, uh, excuse me from the EU, the United States, and Russia, made their report to the United Nations that negotiations were really at an impasse uh, and no solution could be mutually agreed upon. Uh, the new Prime Minister of Kosovo, Hashim Thaci, has pledged to lead Kosovo to independence soon, uh, although in, uh, with coordinating, coordinating his um, actions with the EU and the United Nations. Uh, but of course, Serbia and Russia, its ally, continue to voice their um, objection to any uh, program for independence, be it supervised or not, for Kosovo. Uh, still, the United States and Germany have made it clear that they will recognize Kosovo as soon as it declares its independence. And um, it's unclear what the fallout will be. Uh, The potential for ramifications um, are huge. It could have ramifications, of course, on upcoming elections in Serbia, on Serbia's entry into the United Nations, on other secessionist movements uh, in the region, uh, if not elsewhere. And of course, there is always the potential for renewed violence in the region. And it's in light of this critical situation that we invited our speakers here today uh, to talk about the future of Kosovo and its impact on the surrounding region. Our panel discussion is entitled Kosovo, the end of Yugoslavia's disintegration or the spark of new conflict. So I'd like to start out by introducing both of our speakers and to have them both speak uh, for approximately 30 minutes and then we'll open it up for questions. Our first speaker is um, Elez Biberai. He's currently the Eurasia division director of the Voice of America, where he has worked for 27 years uh, in various capacities as the head of the Albanian service and as the uh, director of European division writers and researchers. Biberai has a PhD in political science from Columbia University and is widely recognized for his expertise on Eurasian affairs and US foreign policy objectives in the region. Besides writing many articles, he has authored authored three books on Albania. Um, They are called Albania and China, A Study of an Unequal Alliance, Albania, A Socialist Maverick, Uh, and Albania in Transition, The Rocky Road to Democracy. Our second speaker is Ovard Kessich, a senior partner with TSM Global Consultants. Mr. Kesich has been working with governments and with non-governmental organizations in southeastern Europe for over a decade, Um, and he also serves as a consultant on Balkan affairs for various U.S. and international organizations and agencies. With well-recognized expertise on the region, he has provided analysis and briefings for the U.S. Department of State, the the, um, Department of Defense, and the U.S. Information Agency and he's a frequent commentator on Balkan affairs in U.S. and international media. Mr. Kesich has a long list of published articles and essays on Balkan affairs and on U.S. policy toward the Balkan states. So please join me in welcoming our two speakers. Thank you.
1: Thank you very much. I'm delighted to be here. I'd like to thank you very much for inviting me here. And it's a particular pleasure to be on, on the same panel with my colleague and fellow um, broadcasts. Uh, Kosovo has been a source of conflict and a problem for the international community for a very long time. In a nutshell, uh, Kosovo represents a traditional case of conflict over territory between a majority ethnic group the Serbs that have dominated the area of former Yugoslavia and a minority group, the Albanians who traditionally were dominated by their more powerful neighbors and were denied, in their point of view, uh, the right to self-determination. Uh, Albanian Serb relations have traditionally been characterized by periods of peaceful, peaceful cooperation, peaceful coexistence, uh, punctuated by violent uprisings, uh, brutal government crackdowns, ethnic, uh, ethnic cleansing, and armed conflict. Ironically, the crisis that eventually led to the disintegration of Yugoslavia really started in Kosovo in 1981. And of all the major issues that emerged as a result of the collapse of the Federation of, of Yugoslavia, Kosovo is the only one which is yet to be solved. And I undermine here of the major issues, because there are other issues as well. Uh, uh, The ongoing uh, (coughs) disputes in in Bosnia, the future of the Federation there, you have problems in you have the uh, uncertain situation in in Macedonia. Uh, Eight years after the NATO intervention, Kosovo finds itself uh, at a critical crossroads with the collapse of the Troika negotiations that you mentioned. The inability of the U.N. Security Council to find a solution, to agree on a solution uh, for the region's uh, uh, status, Albanians seem poised to declare independence. Uh, The U.S. and leading members of the European Union are moving towards adopting a common position of implementing the U.N. plan, the Addisari plan, which provides for Kosovo supervised independence and also calls for substantial autonomy for the uh, Uh, Serb uh, minority in in Kosovo. Uh, Serbia, supported by Russia, vehemently opposes Kosovo's independence, and it's uh, insisting on further negotiations, Uh, although it is clear that neither the Albanians nor the Serbs are really willing to see their position on the fundamental question of sovereignty over over Kosovo. some, some observers uh, have warned that the declaration of Kosovo's independence will spark renewed uh, ethnic confrontations, will plunge the region into a very serious crisis, will split the European Union, and will cause a serious deterioration in Russia's, uh, in Russia's relation to the US and the European Union. Uh, I do not share these alarmist views while the possibility of conflict cannot be ruled out, Uh, the danger of renewed violence on a massive scale uh, I think has been exaggerated, as has the potential adverse impact of Kosovo's independence on Serbia, politics in Serbia, and on stability in the region as a whole. Indeed, I uh, I would argue that the risks of a serious crisis and renewed bloodshed in the region are quite low. First of all, this is a different situation from the early 1990s and the mid-1990s. Second, the overwhelming majority of the European Union have joined the US in supporting Kosovo-supervised independence as the only realistic solution to this problem. The uh, European Union, uh, despite uh, opposition by a number of member states, finally seems uh, poised to take ownership of this uh, of this issue. Uh, lastly, the uh, NATO-led force in Kosovo is in a position uh, to repel if there was a direct uh, uh, Serbian military intervention, and also to manage any potential uh, riots on large scale sponsored by the Albanians, uh, by, by, uh, by Belgrade, or uh, any actions by militant uh, Albanian groups. Now, the international uh, community really faces very limited options in this case. The animosity between the Albanians and the Serbs, and the reality on the ground, Kosovo has in fact been independent from Serbia since 99, Uh, preclude the possibility of Serbia regaining sovereignty over Kosovo, regardless of how much autonomy Belgrade is now willing to grant to the Albanians. Albanians, for their part, don't really want to have anything to do with with Serbia. Now, while there is, I think, a widespread recognition uh, that the Albanians, almost without exception, uh, would like separation from Serbia, I think many analysts take at face value Serbian claims, Serbian pronouncements, uh, and fail to recognize the fact that Belgrade, in fact, is not interested in having two million Albanians participate or become part of the Serbian polity. And it would not be an exaggeration to suggest that Belgrade, in fact, wants Kosovo, but wants Kosovo without without the Albanians. If the possibility of Kosovo to remain part of Serbia is excluded, and I think almost everybody agrees with this, almost everybody, then there are only two other options which, short of partition, which publicly has been ruled out by both sides and by the international community. The first option is continuation of the status quo, but I think that's untenable. There's a great risk of violence, both sides would be would continue to be consumed with this uh, this issue. Uh, uncertainty about the future status of Kosovo uh, would, would remain a major store, source of instability because of the potential for significant violence in Kosovo, which then could spread to Iranian parts of Macedonia, southern Serbia. Uh, the Kosovo leadership is under tremendous uh, uh, domestic pressure. Uh, and I also don't see how the status quo really would serve the interests of the local Serbs in Kosovo and the interests of, uh, of Serbia. The second option is what the US is supporting right now, and that is the supervised independence as enshrined in the Addisari plan. Arguably, the Addisari plan uh, presents the most creative compromise possible under, under these conditions, under current conditions. Uh, the plan envisions a phased transition to independence, supervised by an uh, EU representative and protected by the NATO-led force, paid for. the KFOR. The Adesari plan provides for far-reaching rights and substantial autonomy for Serbs in Kosovo, provides for protection of Serb Orthodox places, and it also provides for very special relations between Belgrade and uh, local Serbian, uh, Serbian communities. Now, if this plan were to really be implemented the way it is written, it would be fantastic, but then implementation is a separate, almost totally separate uh, issue. Uh, Albanians have accepted the 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 Ari plan, although this plan, in fact, legitimizes ethnic based divisions in Kosovo and places very significant limits on the sovereignty of the uh, newly emerging state. Uh, This is a defining moment, not only for Kosovo and Serbia, but for the Balkans in general. Albanians and Serbs have been, for too long, have been held hostage by the status issue. And they need closure if they're really uh, to move ahead, develop a new bilateral and regional relationship, and eventually uh, join the European Union. It would have been highly desirable. I think everybody agrees on this. It would have been highly desirable if the Kosovo decision were sanctioned by the UN Security Council, uh, because this would have simplified recognition of the new state, and it would have made it much easier for Serbia to accept the decision. Uh, unfortunately, Russia chose to block to to block an agreement in the Security Council. Uh, the U.S. and the major European powers, unhappy with, uh, with uh, the Russian president's, uh, put, with Putin's belligerent uh, uh, posture, were unable or unwilling uh, to offer Russia some trade-offs for a Russian abstention or endorsement of the Security Council resolution, which would have recognized Kosovo's supervised independence. So this is where we are now. The transition from the current situation to an independent Kosovo will not be easy. It will not be easy, but I think it is manageable. After years of indecision, uh, we now have the United States and the major European powers finally mustering the political will to address uh, this issue, which is the last major conflict, really unresolved conflict in, in the Balkans. In close coordination, uh, the US, the major European powers, and the Albanians have taken serious steps that have laid the groundwork for the Pristina government to declare independence based on the, uh, the Addis plan. After the unsuccessful uh, conclusion of the Troika mediation efforts, the US and its allies concluded uh, that all efforts to reach a negotiated solution have been exhausted, and that supervised independence was the only. Uh, the only solution on the horizon. In a highly significant move, uh, NATO's foreign ministers uh, meeting in Brussels last month on December 7th, and I think this was very, very significant, this was the first step. Uh, The foreign ministers agreed uh, that the existing UN mandate resolution 1244 will continue to be valid even after Kosovo declares independence. Uh, This way, Uh, The U.S. and its allies are now arguing that this provides a legal basis uh, for the continued presence of KFOR and for the replacement of UNMIG, the UN administration in Kosovo, with a uh, European Union's uh, civilian mission. Uh, UN Resolution 1244 does not specifically uh, prevent the declaration and recognition of Kosovo's independence. But this is where we have a change in the U.S. position until very recently the U.S. A uh, position was that uh, Resolution 1244 had to be replaced with another resolution. So that we have a shift in this policy now. And the US position is that this resolution uh, does not prevent movement on addressing the issue. Now Russia and of course Serbia object to this interpretation, this new interpretation of the UN mandate, uh, but uh, they have limited uh, options because Resolution 1244 cannot be changed, or can only be changed or replaced if all five permanent members of the Security Council uh, agree. Uh, the EU Council of Ministers will meet on January 28th. Uh, they are expected to approve dispatching a civilian mission to replace UNIC and appoint an international representative. Now, this is not a hard deadline, and it's very likely that no decision will be taken on Kosovo because of two factors. One, on that day, the EU is hoping to sign the stabilization and Association Agreement with Serbia. And second, uh, the first round of presidential elections in Serbia will be held on the 20th of, of January, and no one really expects a winner in the first round. And if there's a second round, as most analysts expect, that will be on February uh, 3rd. So. The US and its allies are concerned not to take any actions which would undermine President Tadej's chances of winning the, the elections. And I don't think the Albanians have uh, much of a problem if this is postponed again by several weeks or so. Following the EU decision and assuming that the EU, EU makes this decision and following the conclusion uh, of presidential elections in Serbia. The new Krishna government, led by former rebel leader, Hashim Taci, whose party won uh, uh, most of the votes in the November 2007 elections, uh, is expected to declare uh, Kosovo's independence. Uh, the Kosovo Assembly just approved uh, the new government two days ago, and in his speech before the parliament, the new prime minister, Mr. Taci, Uh, made it clear that the decision will be closely coordinated with Washington and with Brussels. And in fact, he said, and I'm quoting here, Kosovo will do nothing without Washington and Brussels, no unilateral action. Uh, Kosovo's declaration of independence then, according to this scenario, will be followed by a prompt recognition, this is very very important, by prompt recognition by the US, Britain, Germany, France, Italy, that most of the other European countries uh, follow suit. Uh, right now, it looks highly unlikely that the EU, as a bloc, will, will recognize a new state. So they will leave it up to individual states to do so. And if you have recognition by the U.S. and the major powers and most of the other East European co- uh, European Union countries, then the neighboring countries will recognize it as well. Probably not have any problems. But Sedona is likely to much Montenegro as well. Bosnia is a different story, and in fact, it would be a mistake for somebody to, to 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 recognize it. Doesn't need to take that uh, decision anytime soon. Uh, now, attention must be shifted rapidly to the challenges of the day after independence is proclaimed. Uh, Kosovo will face uh, daunting challenges. Uh, Fajri's Democratic Party, the party which uh, won most of the uh, votes in the uh, in the elections, has created a coalition with its main opponent, the Democratic uh, League of Kosovo, which used to be uh, headed by Ibrahim Rugova, who died two years ago. And uh, the LDK, the Democratic League of, of Kosovo, had dominated Kosovo politics since the early 1990s. The uh, party uh, gets uh, seven ministries, the Democratic uh, League gets five, and then there are three Ministries that, uh, that go to the ethnic minorities. The Serbs lead two ministries. One of them is the Ministry of Return and Communities, responsible to help refugees uh, get back to, to Kosovo, and the other one is the Ministry of Labor and, and Social Welfare. Uh, it remains to be seen what leadership abilities Taci really has. Uh, how successful will he be? How successful will his government be? Uh, I don't think we know, I don't think I know. Uh, enough about Fati as a a leader. Uh, He hasn't had much experience in government. Uh, Many people in Kosovo were reportedly disappointed that uh, because they had expected the creation of a united, of a broad-based national unity government, Uh, it would have made a lot of sense for the Albanians at this critical period to have a unified government. Uh, would have reinforced or would have strengthened their position in uh, negotiations with the international community. Uh, both coalition parties face internal problems. They're of, they, both parties have internal problems. they factions, some of the factions are unhappy because they did not get positions uh, in the new government. Uh, and this is especially true as far as the Democratic League is concerned because, uh, None of the ministers who were in the previous government are in Faji's government now. <clears throat> uh, Faji's most immediate and perhaps the most important test in the short and the medium uh, term will be uh, to reach out to the, Serb, uh, to the Serb community, will he be able to do this, In the speech in the acceptance speech that he made in parliament the other day. Uh, midway, he switched to Serbian. He's following uh, Chekhov, uh, the former prime minister. Uh, again, Chekhov, when he became prime minister a year and a half ago, he spoke in Serbian in the parliament. That was seen as a big, uh, big deal then, but I don't think this, uh, what Taji did now, it's, it's pretty significant. So people will be watching out there to see how he reaches out to the, uh, the Serb community. Now, while uh, Belgrade has played a destructive role, and local Serbs have uh, shown uh, very little willingness to participate in the political process and to be integrated into the Kosovo uh, society. The Albanians must make greater efforts uh, to create a secure environment, to facilitate the return of displaced persons, and uh, uh, a general reconciliation with the Serbs. It was convenient for Albanian leaders until now to say, well, we really don't have power. We're not responsible for security because it's the international community. It was a convenient explanation. Now he will have to deliver uh, on this and other issues. Uh, the low turnout in the November elections, uh, which was like 40, 40%, uh, reflects how widespread reflects the solution in, in Kosovo with, uh, with political leaders there. Uh, so, so the beginning is, is likely to be pretty difficult. Uh, for some faced with an in, inadequacy of government capacity, which will impede the government's uh, efforts to deliver basic public services. The economy is in a shambles. Unemployment is as high as 45%. Most of the population is very young. Uh, I think the median age is around 26, 27. And most Kosovars face dire economic conditions. In addition to these minor problems, then you have corruption, which is very pervasive, and organized crime groups uh, present a growing and very serious threat. So, plagued by weak institutions, lack of rule of law, uh, serious economic difficulties, Kosovo will need substantial assistance uh, in its uh, state building efforts. Now, we need to, to, to put things in a proper perspective. Despite all these huge problems, Albanians in Kosovo have, in fact, in my opinion, made remarkable progress in recent years in reviving their society, building uh, institutions, holding orderly elections, uh, in conformity to the international standards. Uh, Kosovo has witnessed the emergence of uh, skillful political, intellectual, and economic elites, which, in fact, compare quite favorably Uh, to those in neighboring countries uh, which have had a long history of uh, of statehood. Uh, Albanians have shown a high degree of commitment, enthusiasm, uh, and drive to reach the objective of an independent state, and they are awaiting the declaration of uh, independence with great anticipation. I'll spend a few moments now on uh, Serbia's uh, likely reaction to to these developments. Uh, there is no question that the declaration of Kosovo's independence will cause uh, consternation in Serbia. But Belgrade's insistence on retaining sovereignty over, over the region, I think, is very unrealistic. The Atisari uh, plan, as I indicated, provides for wide-ranging measures designed to protect Serbia's national, political, economic, and religious interests in the region. Uh, Belgrade leaders, particularly the Prime Minister, Boislav Kostunica, continue to focus on the past. Uh, I strongly believe that Kostinitsa could have gone down in, in Serbia's history as a great democratic leader. He had a chance after Milosevic's overthrow to distance his country from the extreme national policies and to define a new relationship uh, with the Albanians based on shared uh, interests. Belgrade is, uh, has chosen to ignore the long and troubled history of Serbia's harsh misrule of the Albanians and the reality on the ground. Again, since 1999, Kosovo has de facto been independent of Serbia. But Albanian problems are not limited to the Milosevic era, and this is where many foreign observers make a mistake. Uh, <clears throat> even if Milosevic had not existed, I think Albanians would have come to a head on this issue. This is an issue about who controls Kosovo, it's, it's a typical token of conflict. <clears throat> uh, so So these problems go back to, uh, to Kosovo's forceful incorporation into uh, what became Yugoslavia at the beginning of the last century. The harsh persecution of Albanians between the two world wars and during the communist period. Uh, there were uh, so many missed opportunities to peacefully solve this issue, but it didn't work. Uh, and Belgrade's recent offers of, uh, of uh, substantial autonomy uh, uh, are too, too late, or too little, too late. And in the 1999 war, are rejected in with contempt by the, by the Albanians. Uh, Belgrade, in, in, its, uh, in its position, has been emboldened by, by the support it has received from, from Russia. Uh, instead of playing uh, the role of a reliable, responsible partner and a peacemaker, Russia, Russia chose to obstruct the process. Uh, Russia is seeking political and economic dividends uh, uh, from its consistent support for Serbia in the face of growing U.S. and EU consensus on, on this issue. Uh, <clears throat> Russia, Russia's position, Russia is trying to boost its position in the international arena. It's hoping, or was hoping to drive a wedge between the U.S. and Brussels. It was also hoping to, re- to and I think this is pretty significant, to derail Serbia's integration into Euro Atlantic institutions and also to open doors, to, to open the doors for Russian firms to invest in Serbia, uh, in Serbia's strategic uh, sectors. Uh, Gaz, Gazprom, the, uh, the state owned Russian uh, gas company, has offered to purchase Serbia's largest uh, energy company, the Petroleum Industry of Serbia, NIS. Uh, Reportedly, according to uh, to Belgrade uh, press reports, Gazprom has offered uh, 400 million euros uh, for a 51% stake in in the company. Uh, There's uh, a lot of reaction uh, (coughs) uh, to this. In fact, the Minister of Economy uh, did characterize uh, the uh, Gazprom offer as a humiliating offer for Serbia. Uh, An agreement is expected this month how that uh, turns out. Uh, I would argue that Russia is not really interested in the fate of local Serbs in, in Kosovo. The Addisari plan provides for wide-ranging measures designed to protect uh, the Serbian minor- minority. And a little footnote here, uh, this, those sections of the Addisari plan that deal with the protection of, uh, of uh, the rights of the Serbian minority in Kosovo would, in fact, Drafted by Russian experts, uh, Kosovo's independence will likely provoke a strong reaction in Serbia uh, and Serb-dominated areas of Kosovo, and will strengthen. There's no question about this. And it will strengthen Serbian nationalist arguments for northern Mitrovica, which is dominated by the Serbs now, uh, for northern Mitrovica's secession from Kosovo, and from and for Serbskas from from Bosnia. Now, Belgrade has sent mixed signals regarding its likely reaction to Kosovo's independence. Uh, In the not-too-distant past, the Austro-Nationalist Radical Party and some of Prime Minister Vojtoslav Korsunitsy's advisors were raising the possibility of a military option. Uh, However, in recent weeks, uh, Serbian leaders and politicians across the political spectrum uh, seem to have toned down their rhetoric. Uh, even Tomislav uh, Nikolic, the uh, presidential candidate for the radical party uh, just a few days ago, uh, uh, publicly ruled out a military response saying that we will not send our children to war over, over Kosovo. But even in the absence of a military response, I think Belgrade has the potential to, uh, to, to cause trouble. Uh, the Serbs will likely declare that Northern Mitrovica will secede from Kosovo and join Serbia. Uh, Belgrade has, in fact, already laid the groundwork for the partition of, uh, of this part of Kosovo with the establishment and the support of parallel institutions in the north. Uh, reportedly, hundreds of Serb extremists and fighters have uh, moved from Serbia to North Mitrovica. I'm not sure how true this is, but this is according to press reports. not only Albanian press report, but mainly Albanian press report, but also some reports in the uh, uh, West-European. Uh, uh, media, elements within the Belgrade, the government, and other institutions are also likely to incite or could incite extremist the elements in the enclaves to create trouble uh, for the new state. So I think low-level violence, protests, riots are to be expected, but uh, K4, uh, the, NATO-led force, uh, the NATO-led force there, has taken security throughout the region. Uh, including North and Mitrovica, Zvechan, Zubin, Botok, and the Bosana, are the Serbian-dominated uh, areas, and is in a position to seal the border between Kosovo and Serbia to prevent Belgrade from uh, stealing massive troubles in, uh, in, uh, in the region. Uh, but uh, although NATO is on record as saying that it will not tolerate any unrest, it really remains to be seen uh, when the chips are down if, if, if the NATO-led force will, in fact, have the political will to prevent the area's uh, uh, breakaway. Albanians, for their part, are not likely to risk international recognition and support by attempting to to gain control of northern Mitrovica. In fact, most Albanians, most Albanian leaders seem to have resigned themselves to the fact that a Albanian-dominated Pristina government will not be able, anytime soon, uh, to extend its sovereignty over this part, over this part of, of the region, uh, but publicly, Turkish and other Albanian leaders uh, insist on the full implementation of the provisions of the Abusali Plan and the prevention of the region's uh, secession. However, the possibility of Albanian armed groups taking actions to, quote-unquote, liberate North Mitrovica cannot be ruled out. But KFOR is in a position to deal, so I don't see this as a big, as a big threat. Serbia is more likely to announce a trade blockade and a border closure. Such a decision would, be, would have an important impact. It would uh, disrupt Kosovo's market, would cause uh, price rises. Uh, Albanians are downplaying the effects of, uh, uh, of a possible Serbia blockade, insisting that its effects would be short-term and, and marginal. And in fact, Serbia would lose as well. What's happening right now is Serbia is exporting to Kosovo and not importing much from, from Kosovo. And probably if they were to uh, <clears throat> decide on an embargo, the Serbs would end up losing close to 200 million euros uh, a year. And it, it, it would also be very difficult for the Serbs to really implement this because of the black market and, and contacts that exist between uh, trade size of the border. <clears throat> Uh, Belgrade has also said that it would reassess relations with all those countries who might recognize Kosovo. Of course, Kortunitsa has gone so far as to give the European Union an ultimatum, ultimatum, saying that you've got to choose between signing the uh, stabilisation and Association Agreement with Belgrade or sending a civilian mission to Kosovo. Hopefully, this issue will be handled on uh, January 28th, even if the EU doesn't make any decisions on, on Kosovo, so Serbia signed that, that agreement. I think that is very, very important. Uh, President Tadic and the Serbian uh, Deputy Prime Minister, Bozidar uh, Djelic, have publicly distanced themselves from Kostanitsa's uh, position on this issue, making a strong case that Serbia cannot, in fact, uh, afford to isolate itself by linking the, the two processes. The impact of Kosovo's independence on Serbian politics is not likely to be very significant. Uh, the danger of radicals coming to power in Serbia has been largely overstated. In fact, we can make a case that the radicals and extremists are in power in Belgrade. As far as this issue is concerned, given uh, the fact that Serbia's political forces hold a unified position on uh, Kosovo, uh, there is not likely to be a fierce debate as to who lost Kosovo. Uh, Koshmanitsa has done a very good job in channeling the population's anger and frustration on this issue towards the U.S. and the, and the EU. And uh, <clears throat> if the government were to resign over this, over this issue uh, and if earlier uh, parliamentary elections were, were to be held, uh, I don't think that the radicals uh, would fare much better than they have in past, in past elections. Finally, the threat that the Serbs will turn their backs on the West and develop a much closer relationship with Russia has also, in my opinion, uh, been exaggerated. In the short term, yes, Washington-Brussels relations with Belgrade will suffer. But after a period of uh, ratcheted anti-American rhetoric, the, situ- the situation uh, is likely to stabilize and the Serbs will realize that their the, the future lies in the united Europe and that ties with the United States are extremely uh, important. Moreover, uh, Russia's influence in the Serbian society is, is really very limited, in my opinion, compared uh, to the influence of the US and the European Union have. Is Kosovo a president? Uh, clearly, Serb nationalists in, in, in Bosnia will use Kosovo's independence to strengthen their arguments for, for secession. But this is not likely to have any practical implications. Uh, there is no direct connection between Srpska and Kosovo. Uh, Bosnia, you have the dating arrangements. Uh, people signed the agreement, they are committed to it. The Serbs in Bosnia are not likely to make any decisions about their future based on whether or not Serbia retains sovereignty over Kosovo. They would make that decision based on what is in their best interest. Is it to stay? <coughs> or Or to push for reunification with Serbia. And even if Kosovo did not exist at all, they would make those decisions Mm -hmm. anyway. The recognition of Kosovo's independence will promote stability throughout the region. Uh, All the neighboring countries, including Macedonia, uh, Montenegro, uh, support the independence of Kosovo, and Croatia, of course, and Slovenia. And there is an evident convergence of economic and political interest between Kosovo and its immediate, immediate neighbors. Kosovo also cannot serve as a precedent for Abkhazia and south of Sertia. The albanian Serb conflict uh, has its own characteristics and history. There are also huge differences in population and the ethnic composition. Kosovo is 90% uh, uh, Albanian. It has a population of closer to a million. Abkhazia has a population of some 200,000, with Abkhaz making up for less than 50% of the population. South Ossetia has a population of only about 50,000. But regardless of what happens to Kosovo, Russia, as it has done in the past, would use Abkhazia and South Ossetia as a card to force Georgia uh, back in its fold and to attempt to force uh, Belici to toe Moscow's foreign policy line. The question here is, what would Moscow really gain by formalizing these these uh, secessions? And it's only Moscow that can really answer this this, this question. Uh, Serbia claims, uh, uh, and I'd like to spend a little time on uh, this issue. Uh, Serbia claims that Albanians in Kosovo are pursuing a Greater Albania policy and that they are likely to establish an Islamic state in the heart of Europe. Now, both these claims are Serbian constructs to really attempt to delegitimize Albanian aspirations. On the first point, uh, with the exception of very small extremist groups, Albanians in general and their leaders in particular uh, do not advocate unification of Albanian territories into a single state. Albanian political uh, elites have laid out a forward-looking pro-Western agenda, regional cooperation, uh, Euro-Atlantic integration have become the keystones of uh, Albania's, uh, of Albanian politics. Uh, There seems to be a general recognition that any plans or any steps taken to create a greater Albania would profoundly affect Albanians' relations with the international community and that the Albanians would really be the biggest losers and would be marginalized in the region. But Albanian attitudes and policies could shift radically if uh, if the Kosovo issue is not resolved now in a way that would meet minimum Albanian demands. If there was, in fact, a partition of the region by Serbia, then this, I would argue, is likely to lead to closer inter-Albanian cooperation and coordination of activities and would strengthen those forces who are in favor of Albanian reunification. On the religious issue, the overwhelming majority of Albanians in Kosovo are Muslims. Probably more than 90% are Muslims. In Albania, the figures are different. Uh, None of the censuses taken in recent decades uh, took into account religion. Uh, But the figures that are mentioned are from, like, 50 years ago when uh, uh, religion was included in one of the census. And at that time, uh, 70% of the population in Albania probably were uh, considered themselves as Muslims, 20% Orthodox, and 10% Roman Catholic. Uh, Today, it it is very, very different, because of the anti-religious campaign that in fact, and the whole Albania was the only, the only country with, by law, uh, <coughs> uh, that declared itself as an atheist state. and If you were to, to to take a survey in Albania right now, I'm not sure, if even fifty percent of Albania's uh, population would declare themselves Muslim. Anyway, getting back to Kosovo. Uh, so, in, in Kosovo, uh, and under the Yugoslav system, there was no such anti-religious uh, campaign as in Albania, so the Albanians almost always in, uh, in Kosovo were able to exercise the religious right. So the overwhelming majority uh, are, are Muslims. But Islam among Albanians, uh, uh, whether in Albania, Macedonian or in Kosovo, is largely moderate and indigenous, and Albanians are self-confident in their Islamic, uh, Islamic traditions. In contrast to Bosnia, uh, outside radical Islam groups and forces have had little impact in Albanian inhabited uh, areas. Uh, just of there was assistance after the war from Saudi Arabia to build uh, mosques and what have you. But the, but the influence of these groups has been pretty limited. <coughs> uh, Albanians are absolutely the most pro-American people that you can find on the face of this planet. Not just in Europe, but on the face of this planet. And, uh, <coughs> The first pro-American rally after the September 11 attacks was held in Pristina, and it was the next day. Uh, authorities in Kosovo, local authorities, I mean Albanian authorities in Kosovo, as well as the Tirana <coughs> government, have cooperated very closely with the U.S. in the war against their radical Islamic groups. Now, I am not saying that there's absolutely no danger of this Islamic influence and what have you, radical Islamic. You have it here, you have it in Germany, you have it all over the place. But I don't think uh, that Belgrade really has the case on this this issue. Uh, Friendship with the US, regional cooperation again, and Euro-Atlantic integration have become the keystones of Albanian power, Kosovo, Macedonia, and in Albania. Uh, Having bored you to death, I'll try to conclude now. Uh, the failure of the efforts of the Troika <clears throat> Negotiation Team to reach a negotiated solution marks the end of a really prolonged period and a difficult process of determining Kosovo's uh, uh, status. Uh, the U.S. and Europe have an opportunity, perhaps this is the last opportunity, uh, to, to peacefully solve the albanian serb conflict without partitioning the region, and to set Kosovo on the path to recovery and the development of an independent country and to accelerate Serbia's EU EU membership. Uh, I would argue that most Serbs recognize the fact that Serbia has lost Kosovo a long time ago, and that Serbia needs to look to the future and not concentrate on on the past. Uh, But Serbia's current political landscape really does not permit Belgrade to agree to let Kosovo go. Uh, it is unrealistic to expect any Serb leader to agree to Serbia's independence. The best that you can hope is that they would would publicly denounce the decision and then not do much about it. That would be just fine. Uh, Therefore, this decision needs to be made for Serbia. Arguably, ordinary Serbs are more interested in improving their living standards and addressing their many problems and uh, uh, domestic challenges that they face than in holding on to to Ossoba. While it is unrealistic to expect to recognize uh, Kosovo anytime soon, I think Belgrade will uh, realize that it's possible that its uh, you know, primitive actions, if it takes any, will have a very limited impact. And eventually, after a period of two or three years, I think Belgrade will find a way to live with its southern uh, neighbor. There are short-term costs uh, in terms of what's in relation to Belgrade, in terms of having uh, some low-level violence here and there. But compared to the long-term advantages and the opportunities that a final decision on Kosovo offers in promoting peace and stability, I think these are acceptable costs for the international community. Uh, I'd like to conclude by saying that the United States has made a big investment in Kosovo and in Southeastern Europe, or the Western Balkans, as we refer to it now, and should not walk away before this unfinished business is settled and that huge investment, a huge investment, is protected through a stable piece of thank you, very
2: much. Uh, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, Elis and I are kind of like a traveling roadshow, uh, but it's been a while since we've uh, done this, although we started again in December in Washington. We had a presentation together in, in the, at the Wilson Center. And this is our second one in the span of a month. So it looks like uh, the, the Western Balkans are becoming interesting again. Uh, and uh, it's not always good when regions become interesting. Uh, I have a little bit. Uh, there's going to be overlap, obviously, between what Ellis has just laid out and what I have to say. But I have a little bit of a different perception on this issue, I have to be honest with you. Uh, I'm less concerned about whether Kosovo should be independent or not. In fact, I'm not going to make a case one way or the other. I have my own feelings on that, but I'm very much concerned about how the decision is made and how the action is taken. I think that's what the main concern should be uh, with this issue. Uh, I think you can have an honest difference of opinion as to what is uh, a better solution. Uh, But I think over the issue of how you get there uh, is actually in this case much more important than the actual decision itself. And uh, I hope to lay that out in, in terms of what I have to say. First of all, how did we get here? Why is it that we are talking about Kosovo uh, at a time when nobody expected this issue to be so problematic? I, I just take you back to uh, a couple of years ago, 2006, uh, the U.S. Government, uh, especially its spokespeople from the State Department, but also the Europeans and especially Mr. Athasari, said that there would be a decision on status reached by the end of the year, period. There was no flexibility in terms of uh, the date. Uh, there was constant uh, uh, stress that it had to be reached because otherwise there would be dire consequences. There would be uh, conflict. There would be renewed conflict. So when Ellis talks about alarmist assessments, the main argument for bringing a decision on Kosovo's independence that's been made over the last several years has been the threat of a potential conflict if the decision was not brought. And in fact, that's what underlies. A lot of the statements that are coming from Washington and from Brussels and and specifically certain countries in Europe, the argument is is if we don't make a decision, there's going to be conflict. So the threat actually of conflict has been around for years now. But it's been used uh, primarily to make an argument and a case for why Kosovo should be independent. Uh, So why is it that not only did uh, a decision not get made at the end of 2006. But here it is, 2008, and we're talking about Kosovo. Well I think there are several factors for this. First, there's the factor of inertia, which is very important when it comes to not only U.S. foreign policy, but in general when it comes to international relations. Uh, after a period of crisis, there's a period of inertia that sets it, especially when there's an issue that isn't of prominent importance to national interests. Uh, and I would argue very much that Kosovo has not been an issue of vital, especially American, national interest. Uh, Now This is changing. It's becoming very important. I'll come back to this. But because this issue was not very important, uh, what we've seen is an inertia that set in from the late 90s that lasted to about 2005, which basically said, why rush things? We don't need to make a decision over Kosovo. I remind you of one thing. In March of 2003, the late Prime Minister of Serbia, Zoran Jinjic, uh, who was assassinated uh, actually right before he was assassinated in 2003 in March, uh, that uh, two months prior to that he wrote to all world leaders and he said, you need to and we need to deal with the issue of status over Kosovo. This 2003, if we don't, it's going to become a-, a crisis and it's going to become very detrimental to the stability of this region. And you know what the response was from the world leaders? What's your hurry? Everything's okay. You know, there's uh, peacekeeping troops on the ground. There's no violence. Uh, The bulk of the Albanians who were forced out of their homes have returned. There's been a return of refugees. Yes, there's problems with minorities, but we'll deal with that in good time as well. So the response was not to deal with this issue. There were other issues. You know, we had September 11th, we had uh, Afghanistan, uh, Iraq. Uh, there are so much other thing, so many other things that were happening, and so many other questions that Kosovo was not a question that that leaders at that point in Washington or in Brussels were prepared to deal with, and so they allowed the inertia to set in, and dictate for an extended period of time uh, what was not being done when it came to Kosovo, and that's much more important because. It's not a question of what they did, it's a question of what they could have done and what they didn't do in this period of time. Uh, that's actually the main point. Uh, secondly, I already said Kosovo was overshadowed by other events, but third, I would argue very much that Kosovo was an example, unfortunately, uh, there are many of them, of failed U.S. diplomacy. Uh, remember that when Bush uh, campaigned for his first uh, term in office, he made a point of criticizing the Clinton policy in the Balkans. And one of the first things he said during that campaign is the U.S. had to withdraw its troops and pull out from the Balkans. It was a region that didn't matter. There are many more uh, important regions that had to be dealt with and that this was a frivolous use of resources, especially of troops, American troops. He made a a point of you building a platform for a policy on the withdrawal of troops from the Balkans. Uh, This became in the first part of his term, the guiding policy. Just look back, there was a handover of responsibility in Bosnia from the UN to the EU. The U.S. during that process withdrew. There's only a small token uh, representation on the ground of U.S. troops uh, in Bosnia right here, mostly intel and special operations forces that are dealing with the war crimes, uh, uh, suspects issues. and. Uh, This is in general what has been a guiding principle of Bush's foreign policy. Uh, You only had uh, Secretary of Defense uh, just a few weeks ago, actually six weeks ago, Secretary of Defense uh, Gates specifically said that the U.S. will withdraw troops from Kosovo and that that will happen in 2008. Now this is kind of schizophrenic because at the same time that the whole push is being made to make a decision on status and this entire issue has become so volatile. The Secretary of Defense of the United States is saying we're pulling out our troops in 2008. Uh, so what you have is this problematic uh, process where it's not clear exactly what is guiding U.S. foreign policy in the region. Is it the desire to withdraw troops? Is it a desire to see uh, some specific policy outcomes in the region? Uh, and as a result of that, what has happened is that given everything else the, that has overshadowed Kosovo, diplomacy was put on a hold when it came to Kosovo. It was taken for granted that the Serbs would reluctantly agree to this process because after all it was Milosevic who lost Kosovo not the democratic opposition and they're in power and it was especially taken for granted that Russia would accept whatever the, uh, the US wanted to be done and the Europeans what they wanted to be done with Kosovo. Uh, that's much more important than the, the previous question because the US always felt, especially policymakers in Washington, that even if the Serbs didn't agree, it didn't matter because the Russians would agree. So what could the Serbs do if there was a unanimous decision, consensus within the Security Council? They would have to go along with it. Well, when Russia didn't go along with it, everything fell apart. There wasn't a plan B. Uh, and this is a big problem. Uh, this is part of what I have over the years uh, been criticizing as being a hubris in our foreign policy here in the United States. There's this idea that because we are the United States, because we in our minds were the sole superpower, that what we say goes and that th- that, that is the only option. So when the first discussions over Kosovo status began, the, the way this was presented in Belgrade was. You only have one choice, and that is independence for Kosovo. There's no arguing about this. That's what's going to happen. You just have a choice of whether you're going to go along with the plan or be a problem. The same approach was used with Moscow. Now, I don't have to tell you how well this works because we have numerous examples of what the problems are when we when we uh, deal with the world in this very arrogant way. Uh, the other problem when you add to this that brought us to this point is that Kosovo has constantly been dealt with in a vacuum. And this isn't unique to Kosovo when it comes to the, the disintegration of the former Yugoslavia, but it's, it's become uh, one of the underlying problems of why uh, we have to constantly deal with these type of conflicts in the region. That is, we approach them as if there's nothing else around them, that this isn't a part of the disintegration of Yugoslavia. You know. Ellis talked about how this was the final chapter in that disintegration. I'm not as optimistic. <laughs> but, but you, you know, at the same time, we're, we're having it both ways. We're talking about it as being a part of that overall process, but yet we're talking about it being unique. They can't have it both ways. Everything by definition is unique. Yeah, right? Everything. But there are similarities and there are linkages that we have to address. You cannot address the issue of Kosovo without looking at the broader region as a whole. You cannot address Bosnia and the problems in Bosnia without having to have a look at Kosovo. One of the biggest problems with the Dayton Accords is that it was decided not to deal with Kosovo at that time. And I think this is something we can agree, both agree upon, that that was a mistake. But it was a realistic choice that was made because they were afraid they couldn't get to Dayton Accords if they dealt with Kosovo. They didn't want to invest any more time or effort in trying to deal with this problem at the same time of trying to bring the war in Bosnia to an end. I think uh, that now what we're seeing is a continuation of this very narrow view of the Western Balkans and, in particular, of the former Yugoslavia. Now, having said uh, kind of a, a, a thumbnail sketch of how we got here, why is it that the Serbs don't believe the US? And when it comes to the pronouncements over Kosovo, that this is going to be the final chapter, that this is going to be the end of the process of disintegration, that there are other territories in Serbia that are safe, that Serbian sovereignty will be respected. Uh, Well, there are several reasons for that. The first is that the Serbs had been told for a very long time that their only problem with the world was the regime of Slobodan Milošević. They were told, if you get rid of Slobodan Milošević, you will be welcomed in the family of nations, you'll be welcomed as an equal member, you'll be treated as an equal member, and you will take a significant step at becoming a democratic part of Europe. Well, the Serbs took those statements at, its, at the word. They took to the streets, first they took to the ballot, and then they took to the streets, and Milosevic was overthrown. The Serbs have buried Slobodan Milosevic, but many in the international community would prefer, it seems, that he were still alive, because it's easier to deal with problems like Kosovo, if you could present it as being black and white. But now we have a situation where nobody challenges the statement that Serbia is a democratic state. Europe says it. In fact, they're talking about accelerating the process of having Serbia join the European Union. The U.S. says it. There are problems, but for the most part, everybody agrees. Serbia is a democratic state. The problem is that it's not being treated as a democratic state. So the citizens are being sent a message that says, yes, you got rid of Milošević, he was the number one problem, but you haven't paid the check yet for everything that happened. So they said, well, these guys are Democrats. They're your friends. They're the ones who are in power now. So was Milošević right when he said it wasn't about him, it was about territory, that you actually wanted to destroy Serbia? This is very much underlying the credibility of the democratic leaders within the country and the democratic institutions that are very fragile and very uh, young in, in Serbia. Secondly, there, there has been a failure since 1999 when NATO went into Kosovo to protect, to protect Serbs and other non-Albanians in Kosovo. There have been several thousand minorities including Serbs who have been murdered in this period of time up until now. Over 150 churches and monasteries that have been destroyed Uh, over 10,000 homes that have been burnt down uh, and destroyed. Uh, There has been a very small uh, return of non-Albanian refugees that were forced to flee during this period of time to their homes. And this was one of the major promises that was made to the Serbian people after the bombing. They were told that NATO would protect Serbs and other non-Albanians in Kosovo. It has not happened. So they have very little confidence that just because a plan on paper that was put together, Martia Martia Atasari says this is going to happen, that it would happen now. Third, there was a policy that was put in place in 1999 when NATO came into Kosovo and it was announced with great fanfare. That policy was called standards before status. That meant that there had to be certain standards that were met in terms of democratic governance terms of protection for minorities and for um, uh, national groups in Kosovo and that there had to be progress in establishing the rule of law before the issue of status would be dealt with. And in fact, this was the main argument that was given to the late Prime Minister, Jinjic, why it wasn't time to deal with the Kosovo issue. Because there was a response that said, you know, these standards haven't been met yet, so let's just wait. You know, take your time. It's not a big issue. We'll meet those standards, then we'll come back and deal with this. Problem is, standards have never been met. All you have to do is look at the report that's been used to make this presentation by Kai Aide and see that the it's very clear that the progress on protection of minorities uh, has not only not been met, but it's been a failure during this period of time. So the Serbs look and they say, hold on a second, you had a policy that said standards and then status, then you changed it. You said, you know what, we need to address this in a different way. We're not doing very well with pursuing standards without status so let's do it simultaneously. We'll deal with standards and status simultaneously. Standards with status was the slogan. So this lasted for about a year and then all of a sudden there was another change. And they were told, you know what, we're going to do something else. It's going to be status and then standards. And that's where we are now. So the There's been three significant changes in what the Serbs have been told was going to happen with the question of protection of Serbs in Kosovo. And this is essential to understanding why the Serbs do not believe the word of the United States when it comes to the protection of minorities. Fourth, the U.S. and the Europeans have been arguing and talking out of both sides of their mouth. I just want to remind you one thing. When the disintegration of Yugoslavia began, there was a process that the EU, at that time the European community, put together to manage it, to try to put it into a legal uh, framework of international law. And there were several committees that looked at issues such as um, uh, who would inherit property, who would take over property, but they also dealt with how would you manage the process of dissolution, of disintegration. And there are two principles in international law and in international relations to deal to that are butt heads. And you look at the Helsinki Final Act, this is very clear. You have the principle of self-determination, or the right of people to self-determination, and the principle of territorial integrity and sovereignty. Now, when the EC formed their expert commission and gave this to the banditair commission, which is what the name began to be called, uh, what they did is they said, you know what? This is going to be chaotic if we go with self-determination. There's going to be no end to the claims of self-determination, and it's going to be a a, a, a continual conflict for the foreseeable future. The best way to handle this is to use the principle of territorial integrity and sovereignty of the former republics of uh, Yugoslavia. So they gave a legal... Uh, legal decision or a legal interpretation which said this is the principle that should be used in terms of deciding on recognition of independence in the former Yugoslavia and uh, new states. That principle very specifically in that decision says that the Kosovo Albanians and Kosovo itself does not have the right to independence and to statehood. Now the Serbs were not happy at that time when that r- decision was reached. Because there were many Serbs who lived in Bosnia, many Serbs that lived in in Croatia, and they said, "Hold on a second! You're depriving us of our state. We all lived in one state. Now you're saying you're going to go recognize these republics. That was never uh, the intention of the Yugoslav Constitution. You're you're putting an interpretation on this that's totally against Serb interests." But Because of what was happening on the ground over the years, because of the isolation, because of many factors, the Serbs reluctantly accepted that principle. And what happened? Now the Serbs are being told, you know what? Remember that principle of territorial integrity and sovereignty? Well, we're making an exception. And in this case, it's Kosovo. The Albanians in Kosovo have a right to self-determination. This is a unique case problem is, is why is this a unique case? If you're giving one people the right to self-determination, you could have done that in 91, and the Serbs would have been happy. They wouldn't have been happy with the Albanians getting a right in Kosovo, but they would have been ecstatic about Bosnia and Croatia. But you're changing the rules of the game when it, again, again when it's to the detriment of Serb interests. And they are, so that's another reason why uh, they're unhappy. In addition to this, speaking out of both sides of the mouth. The Serbs were told creation of ethnic states is a no-no, multi-ethnicity, multiculturalism. That's the way to go, and those type of states are the only type of states that have a democratic future in Europe. Now the argument is being made the Kosovo Albanians will never agree to be a part of Serbia and that we have to create an ethnic state for them. Again, this is a problem, because it goes totally against everything that was said for over a decade. And this is why the Serbs do not believe what's coming out of Washington and some European states. Finally, the U.S. has lost tremendous credibility. Not a surprise, it happened throughout the world, but the Serbs are part of that world. So Iraq, Guantanamo, Iran, the report of the CIA that basically said, you know, all this fuss and fury over the Iranians is based on uh, a wrong premise. They're not building a bomb at this time. So the serbs look and they say, well, if you're lying on all these issues, why do we why should we think that you're telling us the truth? You know, it's a good question. Many people are asking this question uh, globally. So you have all these factors that have played in uh, played a part in building a very skeptical and very cynical public view of the motivation of the United States and of Europe when it comes to the Kosovo question. Now, what is the danger? Well, the danger is right now primarily if the decision over status is made in the way that's being advocated now in Washington and in many European capitals, uh, it is going to create instability not only in the region, not only within Serbia, but throughout the world. And why? First of all, the argument that this is a unique case. Nobody buys that. All you have to do is look in the the press, and you'll see statements from separatist leaders in Georgia, separatist leaders uh, in Western Sahara. Uh, independence leaders if you want to call them you don't have to call them separatists let's take the positive view of them in the Sudan and all of them say one thing Kosovo is great it should be independent because it creates the the framework for getting our independence it accelerates the process of achieving our own goals so when you to say that Kosovo will not serve as a precedent is ignoring what people are saying themselves on the ground uh, more importantly, you right now have, uh, well, I missed one point, I should say this. Ella mentioned this as well. This whole issue of partition, right? There cannot be a partition of Kosovo. This is another problem that the Serbs have. Because the solution f- for Kosovo is a partition of Serbia. So again, it's, it's taking something partition and saying, we don't want to accept it. It's detrimental. But when it comes to partitioning Serbia, it's okay. You, know, you can call it whatever you want, but it is a partition of Serbia. This in terms of a solution becomes very problematic for other states, for Morocco with Western Sahara, for Sudan with the south, not to talk about Darfur, but let's just talk about the south, uh, with, all of the, with all of the conflicts that have been frozen in place in the disintegration of the former Soviet Union. Uh, Globally, you can look and see that this type of solution would reopen – it's like pulling a a scab open that's healing – it would reopen all these questions almost overnight. Uh, The other argument that's been made and why it's a dangerous argument is that – and this is an argument that's weaving in these other arguments that are being used publicly – is this idea that Serbia lost the right to govern with what Milosevic did. Now this is a very dangerous precedent Who deci- or, or concept rather. Who decides when a state loses the right to govern a piece of its territory? How do you make that determination? How many people have to be killed? How many people have to be persecuted, ha- expelled from their homes before somebody says you've lost the right to govern this territory? What about the question of the Kurds in Turkey and the destruction of whole villages? The ethnic cleansing that's occurred there? What about uh, Kosovo itself? When has it become a question of whether the Albanians have a right to govern Kosovo? How many more Serbs and other non-Albanians have to be expelled before somebody says to them, you've lost the right to govern this particular territory? It's, very, it's a very difficult concept to deal with when you t- try to put into international relac- relations a moral principle that's, that's very arbitrary and, and many times very self-serving. Uh, There's also an argument that talks about the economic necessity of independence for Kosovo. Now I deal with this on a daily basis. I deal with investors all the time. I I think this is one of the uh, easiest arguments to show as being hollow. Investors don't care who governs a territory or a state. What they care about are three principal things. Number one is stability. Number two, rule of law. Will their investment be protected? And number three, return. Nobody has ever asked me which political party governs. What Are, are they pro-West? Are they anti-West? Are they reformers, anti-reformers? Uh, do, they, uh, are they, do they kneel or do they cross themselves with three fingers or with four fingers? Nobody asks these questions when it comes to business. A good example of that? One of the most thriving business relationships right now over the last three years in the Balkans has been between Serbian businessmen and Albanian businessmen in Albania. Tremendous business that's being done and mostly going in terms of products from Serbia to Albania, but a lot of now uh, benefit coming to Albanian investors. Uh, so that this is a dangerous argument because what, it, what th- this will do, in fact, is create the very things that will prohibit investment. Number one, it would create instability. And number two, it will create an unclear legal situation. Who owns what? Why would someone invest in Kosovo if Serbia doesn't recognize Kosovo's independence, and there's a possibility that at some point Serbia will use force to deal with the issue of Kosovo? Who would invest under these conditions when there's so much uncertainty? Uh, Now there's a security argument which is linked to stability. And this argument goes that the only possible solution is independence. Everything else would create greater instability. The problem with this security argument is is that who guarantees Kosovo's independence? For the foreseeable future, it will have to be NATO. There could be no doubt about this. Now, given that, will the Europeans do what they need to do to, pr- to provide for the security guarantees that are necessary to an independent Kosovo. Given the fact that the U.S. has repeatedly said that the U.S. is withdrawing its forces from Kosovo. Given the fact that there's already a crisis in terms of resources when it comes to U.S. troops and the ability to project force internationally, but also with the Europeans. There's just not a... a, a uh, a a a a reasonable level of troop strength available even to European states to deal with a situation that would be uh, a conflict situation, even if it's a low-scale conflict situation. This is a significant problem. If there isn't a response to this, then it should affect how decision-making is brought or how how it's done. Finally you have the legal problem. The legal problem is the most significant because what is being done is, 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 is something that's very dangerous to the uh, international order and to international law I- itself. What is being done is, being, is, is a bypassing of the United Nations. When Ellis talks about the decision of NATO to deploy and the EU members to deploy uh, its a civilian mission, its police, and even European troops to take over the mission in uh, Kosovo, uh, this is very problematic, because it's very clear who interprets Security Council resolutions. The Security Council does. NATO does not interpret Security Council resolutions. The EU does not interpret those resolutions. There's a clear procedure established within the UN. If there's a deadlock within the Security Council, it goes to the World Court. And the World Court issues a legal decision on interpreting a resolution. When people begin, and countries and states and uh, leaders begin to selectively interpret resolutions, you have the beginning of great problems when it comes to international relations. I would argue that this in itself is significant enough to cause doubt as to what should be done when it comes to the proclamation of independence in Pristina. First of all, you have an issue of the principle that diplomacy can be futile. A Turkish Turkish Deputy uh, Speaker of the Parliament last week said, you know what, you have situations where diplomacy just doesn't work. You have, and Kosovo and Bosnia are a good example of this. Diplomacy can be futile. When this happens we have to be decisive and we have to take action. This is particularly true when it comes to Cyprus. Now." the implication is clear. There are some issues you can't talk forever about. You have to be decisive, even if it means going around the UN, going around the Security Council, even if it means creative interpretation of international law. But you have to be decisive. So this undermines this whole idea that conflicts have to be resolved through negotiations. In fact, what we're introducing is, or reintroducing in a very big way, is the principle of might makes right. I'm not quite sure we want to reintroduce this principle in a big way and bring it in this manner on the world scale, on the world, world stage. Uh, you also have a great problem when it, comes to, uh, when it comes to the other message that's being weighed, and that is to countries that have separatist movements within their borders. Let's like look at Sudan. The Sudanese gar- government is looking and they're saying, you want us to deploy this peacekeeping troop. How do we know? once you're on the ground that you're not going to do to us what you're doing to serbia that is that you then use the deployment and the security council resolution that's used for this process of deployment in order to make a case for the separation of our territory from, from our country it undermines the credibility of un peacekeeping and it undermines what up until now was the good faith underlying message of any UN peacekeeping operations or any decision of the Security Council. If you allow individual states to interpret resolutions and international law, everybody will interpret them the way they want and in line with their own state interests and their own personal interests. Now, Ellis went over scenarios, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that. In fact, I'll skip over that. We can come back to questions. And in closing, why is Kosovo a defining moment? Because I agree with others. I think this has become a defining moment. And it's a defining moment for Serbia because Serbia is at a crossroads. You know, We're misusing this term because we're constantly at a crossroads. Every year it seems like we're at a crossroads. But this is an important crossroads for Serbia. Uh, Serbia has pinned, post-Milosevic, has pinned its hopes on integration into the EU, less so in terms of NATO, but its joint partnership for peace, and has seen its future and future stability in the framework of a common Europe. What's happening is everything is being undermined by this whole uh, debate over status of Kosovo. And it's not necessarily the issue of independence of Kosovo, because I agree with Ellis, even for Serbs, this isn't the, the main issue. It's the way it's being done. You constantly hear it when you talk to Serbs, this argument that Serbia is being humiliated that this this is actually becoming the most important factor. If the Democrats are being treated the same way when they govern Serbia as Milosevic was treated, it undermines the argument that there is a better way, there's a, there's a benefit from pursuing what the Democrats have advocated within Serbia. It, it's not the radical so much, the radical party. It's populists who will come after the danger you know I I wanted to say this earlier but I'll say it here you know only a fool wants war only a fool wants war but only a bigger fool can guarantee that there won't be war and I know this from personal experience because (laughs) that's what I was doing in 91 I didn't believe there was going to be war in Bosnia for many reasons I won't go into it now but we all know what happened there Uh, I learned but when things begin to unravel I'll tell you what right now, I'm convinced that the leaders in Pristina and the leaders in Belgrade, all of them, do not want war. But I can see several issues, including Mitrovica, which Ella talked about, that can trigger, trigger a war. And not only a war between Serbs and Albanians, but I could see NATO and the EU in the middle of that conflict. I'm not sure that everybody is taking this seriously. Mitrovica is a very important issue. You have European states who agree in terms of recognition of independence, who disagree in terms of what should be done with Mitrovica. <coughs> it, the Italians think that Mitrovica should go to Serbia proper. Dilemma has said this publicly. He thinks that Mitrovica should be handled like Trieste after World War II, and the implication being a soft partition after uh, Pristina's proclamation of independence. I think this is very, very dangerous when it comes to Mitrovica because it's going to be very difficult for any Albanian political leader to accept partition of Kosovo and it's impossible for Serbs equally to accept the partition of Serbia or Kosovo's independence. So you have a situation where even though everybody does not want war, there are issues that can lead to a serious conflict in the region. The region, the implications, I talked about linkages. Uh, the issue for Bosnia and Herzegovina isn't the issue of using the Serbs using this issue as a pretext. The Serbs will do in Republika Srpska what they think is best in terms of their own interests. But it's going to be very difficult to convince Serbs in Bosnia that they have less rights than Albanians in Kosovo, that the principle of self-determination does not apply to them. Uh, it's it's going to be very difficult to make that case, almost impossible. So even with this, the statements of the leadership of the bosnian Serb government saying that they're, they're going to guarantee stability and that it's not going to provoke Kosovo's decision one way or another will not provoke a reaction, I, I don't think that's, that's true. It's going to affect Slovenian leadership in the EU because Slovenia has staked its credibility and its authority within the EU on solving this question during its mandate. Uh, and it's going to affect the UN in a significant way. I already talked a little bit about that. We can come back to that. Uh, the EU has the most at stake right now uh, when it comes to this. Once again the credibility of the EU common foreign policy if you will, security policy, has been put on the line in the Balkans and a failure to deliver it will greatly undermine it. But trying to deliver in the way that's been proposed is going to create major divisions and fractures within the EU. You already have an inability to decide on the issue of status. You have at least five states of the 27 who are opposed to recognizing Kosovo's independence. Of the other states, you at least half are not happy with this solution that's being pushed. Uh, You have major disagreements over the ability to deploy without a clear legal framework within the EU. And in fact, this is actually right now the most important issue. It's not this consensus over whether Kosovo should be independent or recognizing Kosovo. It's how do you get from here to there. And one of the key ways you get there is the deployment of the EU mission. Without that, it's going to be very difficult to make a decision on recognition and everybody is sure sh- is under- under- everybody understands this that's why Belgrade objects so vehemently to the deployment of the mission because they know that totally saw- that ends all discussions over this recognition issue and that's why they're opposing it but how you get there how do you deploy legally is a very important question and Germany right now is having major internal problems within the coalition and within the Bundestag over this question because th- there's a high level of discomfort over the legal framework for deployment and over the legal framework for recognition. I think you have the possibility that governments will fall over this issue in, in Europe, including the German government. Uh, the Germans are very sensitive to the perception that they were that they putting themselves in the role of occupier once again in the Balkans. And the Serbs have been very clear that's how they will see this deployment without either a new Security Council resolution or agreement with Belgrade. I think the Austrian government is also vulnerable. You see this in what's happening with the Chancellor's statement over the last five days where he said that Austria will recognize. Immediately the opposition has hit back and said you're for instability and you're for violating international law and if this happens we will hold you responsible. There's not large public support for this because there hasn't really been a public debate in Europe. But people are not very comfortable with this idea, because for the same reasons the Serbs don't believe Washington and Brussels, European publics have been conditioned that single ethnic states are not the way. Multi-ethnicity is the underlying principle, multiculturalism in the EU. And you're abandoning that principle and creating a mono-ethnic state with Kosovo. People are not very comfortable with this. The latest uh, editorial today is Standard in uh, Vienna hits that very theme about how this is exactly the opposite of what the EU should be doing in the Balkans. Russia has staked a lot of credibility on this issue and this is the problem because everybody has so much credibility at stake and they've done it themselves. They are the ones who place their credibility at stake that nobody wants to back down. And this is much more important even than the relationship between Serbs and Albanians. The Serbs and Albanians (laughs) are like grass when elephants dance or fight. And unfortunately, it's a much-used cliché, but in this case, it's very much that. Everybody's looking at this in in a much broader and much more significant context of their own personal uh, credibility, the credibility of their alliances, whether it's NATO or the EU, and their ability to project power. And so it becomes insignificant what Serbs and Albanians want or what they're prepared to do. I'm going to end it here because I see we're well over what we thought we were going to be and uh, leave everything else for questions. You you probably have better questions than uh, what I was going to say anyway. So. (laughs)